Before we get into this episode, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love our show, please scroll down to the review section of your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star rating. If you have a few more seconds, please also leave us a review telling us what you like most about our show. We read every single one of these and we appreciate them so much. This will also help us grow and get into the ears of those who love true crime and food as much as you do. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Dietetics After Dark, your source for food-related crime, scandal, and fraud. Hi, everyone. I'm Becca. And I'm Sarah. Becca, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. It's early. I feel like my voice hasn't woken up yet. I'm a little... Let's just say I'm finishing my morning coffee still. Same here. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So what did I ask you to research today? So I researched the history of the Subway sandwich franchise and some fun facts. Ooh, Mm -hmm. can't wait to learn more about Subway. I love Subway. But before we dive in, I want everyone to know that all the citations, relevant links for anything mentioned in this episode will be in the description. And also in our show notes at thenutritionjunkie.com. That's junkie with a Y. The information in this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. If you're interested in medical nutrition therapy or personalized nutrition advice, please talk to a doctor or registered dietitian in your area. This podcast may contain coarse language, mature subject matter, and content of a violent or disturbing nature. Listener discretion is advised. So Sarah... The first ever Subway opened in 1965 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. A 17-year-old boy by the name of Fred DeLuca partnered with a family friend. 17. Oh, a high school boy. (laughs) Yep. So he partnered with a family friend named Peter Buck to open a sandwich shop to help pay for his college tuition. So Peter invested $1,000 into the business. So they ended up naming that first location Pete's Super Submarines. Their slogan was, try one for Pete's sake, which is the cutest thing. Yeah, that's so cute. (laughs) I'd try one. I would too. A slogan (laughs) like that. They later renamed the location Subway after realizing that saying Pete's submarines in radio advertisements sounded like they were saying pizza marines. So listeners were getting (laughs) very confused. (laughs) By 1974, Fred and Peter were operating 16 Subway shops in Connecticut, but they wanted to expand. So... They, of course, began franchising the business. In 2019, they were the largest fast food restaurant in the world in terms of restaurant locations. And this means that they were larger Mm. than McDonald's and Starbucks. That is shocking. I feel like I would have thought McDonald's would have been number one. Yeah, but also Starbucks. Starbucks is everywhere on every corner. 
Totally. I don't really think of Starbucks as fast food though. Like it's the coffee place. And then fast food wise, I would have thought McDonald's would have been number one. Although one time I went to get a sandwich there and I asked for it without cheese and they said they couldn't do that. At Starbucks? At Starbucks because it comes frozen and they essentially heat it up for you and it already has cheese on it. Yeah, exactly. That's why I don't really, (laughs) I don't think of it as a place I go for food. It's like coffee and they have snacks if you want it. For sure. But in terms of food, it seems like it's probably the fastest of food. I feel like even at McDonald's, they (laughs) assemble their sandwiches. Yeah, for sure. No customization. No customization. When it comes to food, they can customize the crap out of your drinks. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So McDonald's does top the charts in terms of sales though. So that's something to know that Subway is the top in terms of location, but McDonald's is the top in terms of sale. So today, Subway has over 44,000 locations in 110 countries, and they employ around 300,000 people. So in terms of sub popularity, Sarah, can you take a guess at which sub you think is the most popular? The most popular sub? Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be a weird one like Meatball, but I, my heart is saying it's cold cut. Uh, not quite. Not quite. The most popular <laughs> sub is actually the BMT, which I guess might have some cold cuts on it. I've never even uh, heard of the BMT. I hadn't either. And Bacon. What I did not know mayo. it stood for stands for biggest, meatiest, tastiest. Isn't that weird? That makes it sound kind of gross to me. Yeah. Here I thought it was more of like a BLT, but with totally. mayo instead of lettuce. So the BMT, it's just a sandwich with a lot of meat on it. And then (laughs) there's a couple other ones. There's the tuna, the Subway Club, and of course, the meatball marinara. So you were right there. I'm surprised tuna ranks so high. I know, but I guess maybe around the globe, it's one that everybody can rely on. Yeah, Old Faithful. That's true. That's Mm -hmm. a really good point. Okay, so it's estimated that every single minute, Subway serves 2,800 subs. And so this means that in the course that I've been talking now for was being like two minutes, they've sold over 6,000 subs, which is wild. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so over the course of the year, the number of sandwiches that they've sold could wrap around the earth six times. Now I got this stat off of the Subway website, so I don't know how they calculated it, but I want to believe it. With footlongs, (laughs) I bet. Definitely. That'd be a way easier way to go about it. (laughs) They're 11 inch foot longs. <laughs> the 11 inch foot longs. <laughs> so, unfortunately, in 2013, the founder, Fred DeLuca, was diagnosed with leukemia. And on September 14th, 2015, he passed away. According to Forbes magazine, at the time of his death, he was worth over $2.5 billion. And mm-hmm. despite his fortune, DeLuca was known as being a super humble man. So, he drove things like he drove a Honda. He wore the same $25 sweaters throughout the years. Just sounded like he was a really decent guy. Uh. So I know that this sounds like a very inspiring business story, but this type of success never comes without some drama. And in the case of Subway, there's a lot of drama. Yes, there is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So DeLuca's younger sister, Suzanne Greco, she took over the company operations in 2013. So she had worked for the company over the years. I think she'd worked there for about 25 years before retiring in 2018, following many instances of scandal. And these included things like location closures, disputes with franchisees, and lawsuits. So I'm going to mention a couple of these stories now before you go deep into the research, Sarah. Okay. I'm excited. Me too. All right. So as you know, Subway has done a lot of marketing around their sandwiches, which is why we're talking about them today. Mm -hmm. And with a slogan like eat fresh, their message is very clear. This food must be fresh. Totally. So they've, they've been branding themselves as the healthy choice over other fast food chains for decades. And as you might remember, in the year 2000, they hired a spokesman by the name of Jared Fogel, who helped to promote the brand. How could we forget? How could you forget? The Subway Jared. I know. I know. He was like a a cultural icon, I feel like. He actually was. For a long period of time. Yep. Mm -hmm. So his claim to fame was that he lost 200 pounds while eating Subway sandwiches twice a day. 
He was in numerous ads up until 2015 where he either discussed his weight loss, he posed next to an old pair of pants, or he compared the nutrients in different fast food sandwiches with the sandwiches sold at Subway. I definitely remember those, like the image of him holding those pants that he used to wear. Mm -hmm. I remember that so clearly. It must've been big when I was in high school or something, maybe elementary school, but. Yeah, because it was like, wow, you can eat this fast food and lose weight. Totally. It was kind of, I feel like it was the first place that had ever marketed themselves that way. Mm -hmm. Definitely the first fast food place. For sure. So unfortunately in 2015, Jared was charged and sentenced to 15 years in prison for child pornography and engaging in sexual conduct with a minor. Yeah. And I said, unfortunately, but it's actually very fortunate that he was put in prison for this. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that he did it. It's unfortunate that he did it, but thank goodness he's in prison. Thank goodness. So naturally being associated with a man who has committed one of the worst crimes out there, Subway experienced a lot of backlash from this. Even more so when Jared's ex-wife, Kathleen McLaughlin, filed a lawsuit in Indiana against Subway. So she claimed that Subway had knowledge about Jared's sexual interests as early as the year 2004. Ugh. I should make note here that in 2017, the case was dismissed and the judge cited that there was a lack of personal jurisdiction in the case. Hmm. So... It was argued that the case could not take place in Indiana since the company nor the conduct took place there. Okay. So that sums up that scandal. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a little bit of a sparks notes to it. A teaser scandal before the other <laughs> scandals. <laughs> so many scandals. There's just so much to cover on this topic. There really is with poor Subway. I know. I do <laughs> feel bad for them a little bit. Me too. So one other major scandal, and you might remember this one as well, Sarah. This is the scandal of the footlong. Yeah, I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one's a bit funny. It's a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. In 2013, an Australian teen posted an image to his social media channels of a footlong sub sandwich laying next to a measuring tape. So the controversy sparked when the sandwich only met the 11-inch mark on the measuring tape leading consumers to believe that they were being scammed of an inch of their bread <laughs> and toppings, which that adds up. If, you, if you're eating up. Subway twice a day, mm -hmm. that's two inches a day of sub. Two inches a day. <laughs> and I would argue that's between four and six bites. Yeah. Depending on the size of your mouth. Depending on the size, <laughs> size of your mouth, two to three bites per inch lost. Yes. That's significant. It is. It is. <laughs> so this post, it went viral. And it led to a class action lawsuit against Subway. And in 2016, the two sides settled and Subway agreed to pay the plaintiffs $525,000 in legal fees mm. in addition to $500 a piece to the plaintiffs. <laughs> and I think that $500 was just to like make up for the inches of subs that <laughs> they missed out on. Really? Yeah. Um, when I was oh looking gosh, through it, so I think funny. they had to report how many times they'd eaten at Subway over the years. I don't know if they needed proof for that, but I'm assuming that that just makes up for all the inches. Oh my gosh. I wonder if they felt that it was worth it at the end of all the lawsuit. $500. I honestly, I didn't look to see how long this case went for, but the Australian teen posted it in 2013, the image, mm -hmm. and they settled in 2016. So it okay. could have been a bit Three of time years. There. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they started the lawsuit right then and there something to right. look into. <laughs> However, the class appealed after a man by the name of Ted Frank joined their team. So Frank is the director of the Competitive Enterprise Institute's Center for Class Action Fairness. Okay. Such Rolls a off the tongue. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so easily. Yeah. He claimed that each subway roll is created with the same ingredients and the same weight of ingredients. And that variations in the baking process are hmm. normal and cannot be prevented. Okay. So Subway actually won the appeal, but they were required to add a disclaimer in each restaurant and on their website that states, due to natural variations in the bread making process, the size and shape of bread may vary. Which I think is a pretty good deal for them if they just have to put that put the disclaimer in their on there. Yeah. Just have to totally. put the disclaimer. 
Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. And I think anyone who's ever made bread at home knows or bread or cookies or muffins or anything, even if you, you know, let's say you're making muffins, you use a quarter scoop, you level it off, perfect amount in each one. They all look different. Yeah, it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. Mm -hmm. So this gentleman, Frank, he expressed that the plaintiff's attorneys were likely abusing the class action system for their own personal profit since this original lawsuit really did not have any merit to it. Isn't that interesting? So the lawyers were abusing the system just to get those significant legal fees? That's what this guy, Frank, is saying. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is interesting. But that sums up the brief history and some, I guess, fun facts, not so fun facts about Subway. Fun scandals. Yes, fun and not so fun. That's for sure. Okay, (laughs) cool. That was really interesting. I learned a lot about Subway, a lot of surprising things about Subway. I didn't know that there was the biggest, meatiest, tastiest sandwich. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know that it was, had the most locations. So good to know. So, okay. Personally, I want to start off. I have really fond memories of Subway. They fed me probably 40% of my meals in first year university. And during my high school years, I actually worked at Dairy Queen and I was right by a subway and one of my really good friends worked there. So we'd call each other and trade blizzards for subs. So we'd get dinner, we'd get dessert. And it was, it was just the best. So subway holds a special place in my heart, but as Becca just told us, it's also been in the spotlight for quite a few scandals over the past decade. So when I say that, Becca, Do any immediately come to mind other than the ones that you mentioned? Scandals? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Subway is... Like every year, I feel like Subway is in the news for something or other. I do. I There was that... um, Was it like the yoga yoga mat? Oh, yeah. yeah, We're going to go there. Oh, yeah? So we're going to go there today. Amazing. You're right. I do feel that Subway is in the news frequently. Okay. And I have a theory and I want to float it by you so you can sort of, you know, keep it in your back pocket, see how it feels as we move throughout this story. All right. I think Subway has received more food related public backlash than any other fast food company, even though they are not alone in these quote unquote misdemeanors. But I think Subway gets all of the heat because of their Eat Fresh branding that you told us about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's green. You can apparently lose weight on it. It's been marketed as this healthy, fresh alternative to fast food. And that kind of shoots them in the foot a little bit when it comes to scandals. No, for sure. I think you're bang on with that one. Like you think of other, other fast food chains and they don't get nearly as much heat. Even though, isn't it McDonald's, like all of their pickles are dehydrated. There's just like some weird stuff that you hear about them, but because they're not claiming that they're fresh, they're not getting the heat for it. No one's expecting fresh food from McDonald's. So when they Mm -mm. find out it's not fresh, they're like, yeah, duh. But when (laughs) Subway, you know, if you've been eating Subway every day for lunch and you're doing that because you want to be making a healthier choice, and then someone tells you, hey, you're actually eating a yoga mat you might not be so pleased. (laughs) Sounds pretty healthy to me. Yeah. Isn't yoga good for you? (laughs) (laughs) But we know, Becca, from our nutrition education, and I think more people are starting to know this as well, that it's important to take a step back when you hear new or shocking nutrition information and do your research and ask yourself, is this scandal worth the hype or is it creating unnecessary fear around food? Because, yeah, sometimes that fear can be just as detrimental as a quote-unquote bad ingredient in and of itself. Like Becca said, Subway's PR troubles took a dark turn in 2015 when their spokesperson was charged with pedophilia. But one year before that, in 2014, there was the great yoga mat bread controversy. So you already said that you kind of remember this. Mm -hmm. And I remember it too. And this was before... I had nutrition education. So really what I probably did was just read a headline, not really read the article and just sort of be like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Mm -hmm. Like when I think yoga mat, I think feet and that that near my bread, the whole thing is just a bad visual. And I feel like it really stuck in my mind. Definitely. Okay. So I want to preface the story by saying it is totally okay to question what is in your food. 
but it's equally important to question the legitimacy of those concerns. So in 2014, food blogger Vani Hari, who runs the Food Babe blog, started an online petition raising questions about the safety of a commonly used food additive called azodicarbonamide, aka ADA. And I'll probably call it ADA throughout the rest of the story because that's a little bit easier than azodicarbonamide. Yeah, that's a that's a big word. I know. <laughs> I even practiced it. Okay, so first I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the founder of Food Babe, Vani Hari. I can't stress this enough. I am all for encouraging consumers to make informed choices, but she does use questionable tactics. So if you visit her site, I don't know if you've done this before, but if you visit her site, you see someone who's advocating for people to be conscious consumers, to consume less processed foods, and she's also promoting her own brand of quote-unquote natural products. Ah, Red flag right away. Yeah, it's called Truvani. Okay, so however, she uses pseudoscience laced with tons of personal bias, misinformation, and fear-mongering language. And to me, this is very clear when I visit her website. So she does not have any scientific or nutrition or toxicology-related qualifications listed on her website. And from my research, it looks like her background is primarily in finance. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And okay, so I have an image here. Are you in the doc? Yeah. Page two, bottom page two. So this is an image. It's a before and after picture of Vani. And so Mm -hmm. in, it's the then and now actually, not before and after. So in the then picture, she's in a slightly larger body. Her eyes are sort of shut. Like the picture was snapped while she's laughing. It's clearly not a professional photo. It's just a group photo with friends. Um, Mm -hmm. And she has little pictures of fast food underneath, which sort of implies that's what she was eating at the time. Mm -hmm. And then her now picture is a beautiful professional photo. She's glowing. She's wearing red. She, her eyes are open. She's looking at the camera. She's smiling. And um, she has pictures of fruit underneath, which implies now maybe she's eating more fruit or more more whole foods overall. Mm -hmm. So what do we know about before and afters? They don't always paint the whole picture. They don't. They definitely don't. And I feel like she... She has on her jewel tones in that after photo. (laughs) She has like a beautiful, like peach colored Mm -hmm. backdrop. And in the first photo, it just looks like she's having a really good time with friends. There's even somebody that's kind of, it looks like blurred out that's next to her. So I don't don't think that that's a fair representation of who she was a couple years ago versus who she is now. She looks beautiful in both. Totally. Yes. And she, like, there's no doubt she's glowing in the now picture but it's a professional headshot and she's Mm -hmm. wearing beautiful colors and her hair is done. It's a totally different type of photo. And we know that before and after pictures usually can be boiled down to lighting and, Mm -hmm. you know, candid versus posed. So I think if I wanted to, I actually know if I wanted to in this exact room, I could take a picture that looks like a before and take a picture that looks like an after just based on my pose, based on the lighting, based on what I'm wearing. So on this Zoom, you look like the after. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Glowing. <laughs> but anyways, this scandal isn't about before or after photos that, you know, maybe that could be a separate episode. <laughs> but I just want to dive into Vani's website here, foodbabe.com. Ooh, okay. I'm going to read directly from it. We live in a world where our food is making us sick, tired, and overweight. Big food brands design their packaged products to be addictive. So we consume unhealthy ingredients over and over again, and it gets worse. Risky chemicals contaminating our food aren't labeled, product labels are lying, and our food is pumped up with cheap additives that are banned in other countries. Okay, that's part one. Then, right below it, I decided to take matters into my own hands. So I created a company called Truvani to create products, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, so that's a taste from the website. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you make your own judgments here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm digesting it. <laughs> you're digesting. She also has a book. The title quite literally says it all. The Food Babe Way. Break free from the hidden toxins in your food and lose weight, look years younger, and get healthy in just 21 days. That sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Sounds almost <laughs> too good to be true. 21 days to look years younger. Okay, let's keep moving right along. This is a quote from that book. There is just no acceptable level of chemical to ingest 
ever. Period. <laughs> so literally everything is made up of chemicals, whether they occur everything. naturally or in a lab. If we're eating, if we're breathing, you are consuming chemicals. H2O. H2O. I just took a O2. swig of chemicals. <laughs> yes. Constantly swigging chemicals and <laughs> breathing chemicals. Like the word chemicals shouldn't be something we're scared of. Mm-mm. Okay. For example, ascorbic acid. That's good old vitamin C, right? Mm-hmm. Pyridoxine. Sounds like something that would melt your skin off. Vitamin B6. Acetic acid, commonly found in vinegar, great in salad dressings, eat it very often. And finally, carboxymethylcellulose. That's an Mm. additive. I think people are even scared of the word additive sometimes, but we use it to stabilize ice cream. And it's just a carbohydrate found in the cell walls of plants. So we are exposed to literally thousands of chemicals every single day. Yes, some of them have big names that are scary and, you know, hard to pronounce, but that doesn't mean that they're bad for us. Mm -mm. Okay. So back to food, babe. She also commonly uses a logical fallacy that's been referred to as the food babe fallacy. And this is when she takes an ingredient that has non-food applications and she declares that it's bad because it's also in food. Okay. So even though these two things are actually completely unrelated, something can be used in food and it can also be used in non-food applications. And that doesn't mean that they pose a risk to human health. Okay. So for an an example here would be vitamin C. Mm -hmm. We all know it. We love it. It's in lots of different things. It's naturally in most of our fruits and vegetables. And it's also used as a developing agent in photo production. That's interesting. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. So yeah, if, if I told you, Becca, every time you eat a fruit, you're consuming a chemical that's used in photo production. Yeah, I just, I feel like a lot of things on this earth have a dual purpose. Absolutely. I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's a good idea to just have one purpose for every single thing. Totally. I don't know, that's bizarre. Let's embrace all the purposes. Oh, for instance, let's take, let's take a tree. We use that for paper. Yeah. But that's also cellulose. That's totally. in Parmesan cheese. It's in like a bunch of other stuff. People might be weirded out by that, but a tree is a plant Absolutely. coming from the ground. Yeah, totally. That's such a good example. And I, it's all about the framing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're like, well, every time you eat Parmesan cheese, you're eating parts of a tree. Like, Yummy. yeah, that doesn't sound <laughs> super appetizing. But if you frame it, yeah, there's some plant additives in Parmesan cheese that what's the purpose of it? More stabilizing, you know? I think it's a texture. 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 Anyways. No. Future editing Becca here with a quick fact check. So wood pulp or cellulose is added to shredded Parmesan cheese as an anti-caking agent. Without it, your cheese may clump together. So it's not usually found in wheels of Parmesan, but next time you do buy the shredded stuff, check the label. I'll bet it's in there. Yeah, there's there's a plant-based ingredient that improves the quality of your Parmesan cheese. I'd be like, Ooh, love that. Yeah. But it would be bizarre if we just stopped using that in all of our products because it was used for something non-food related. That's absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, that's a perfect segue. Let's get back to Subway. (laughs) So top of page five, (laughs) if you want to follow along. I do. There's an infographic. And this is made by the Food Babe. It's on the Food Babe website. Everyone can go check it out if you want. She made this? Uh, she made it. Someone on her team made it. I'm not exactly sure, but this is the like original infographic. It looks like something Subway made. Sorry, continue. <laughs> it's, got, it's very Subway branded. Okay, so it says, Subway, stop using dangerous azodicarbonamide in your bread. Azodicarbonamide is the same chemical used to make yoga mats and shoe rubber. It's banned all over the globe because it's linked to respiratory issues, allergies, and asthma. This is not eating fresh. And there's some more there, but... And then she compares North America versus UK, the European Union, and Australia. In North America, Subway uses azodicarbonamide in their breads. And in the UK, European Union, and Australia, Subway does not. Okay. And then the, the final message is that we deserve the same safe ingredients that Subway uses all around the world. So has, has the UK, EU, and Australia, they've never included 
this in their, their bread? That's a good question. I just know it's currently banned. Okay. Okay. From being added to bread in those countries. Future editing Sarah here, paraphrasing directly from Wikipedia. Azodicarbonamide has been banned in the European Union since 2005. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so I have a couple issues with the language she uses in this infographic. So first of all is the clear comparison between eating Subway bread and eating a yoga mat. It's shown mm-hmm. in the visuals. There's actually a wrap that's wrapped up in a yoga mat in the top left. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. I thought that was like the thin bread, like the, uh, what was it the called? The flatbreads. Yeah. <laughs> I know, because they used a, a bread color, so it actually <laughs> looks kind of good. Um, so false equivalence occurs when two subjects are compared based on flawed reasoning. So for example, comparing apples and oranges, they both contain vitamin C, but because they, you know, just the fact that they contain vitamin C doesn't make them the same. Mm-hmm. So if there's a shared ingredient between yoga mats and bread, that doesn't mean eating bread is the same as eating a yoga mat. And eating an apple that has vitamin C does not mean you're eating an orange, right? right. They're two different things. Makes sense. And I know this sounds kind of semantical. No one actually thinks Subway bread is a yoga mat. No one's rolling out their Subway breads when they set up to do an Ashtanga class. But <laughs> when it creates public fear and spreads misinformation, there's another issue at hand. Okay. Anyone can read this. Anyone can read this. Maybe, you know, young impressionable teens that are already struggling with with body image or food issues, they can read this too. And and this fear around certain foods might, you know, trickle in. You never know Mm -hmm. what the impacts could be with misinformation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So back to my theory at the start. In 2014, azodicarbonamide ADA was in over 500 products in North America. So everything from Wonder Bread, Little Debbie, Starbucks, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A. So attacking just Subway seems a little unfair. And I feel like they're the target because of, of course, that branding, that eat fresh branding, right? Like how can you call yourself fresh if you have this ingredient that's also in a yoga mat? I'm surprised that Starbucks didn't get any, any flack for this though. No, but they did remove it. They did after like all immediately? this, along with the public pressure, I think that Subway was receiving. I think they were like, let's do this at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So despite my issues with the language she uses, the food babe does make some legitimate points and her petition was ultimately successful. Okay. So that's important to know. First of all, the food babe is right. ADA is banned in UK, European Union, and Australia. So why the heck are we adding it to our bread here in North America? Azodicarbonamide is a fine powder used in commercial baking, often to bleach flour, which basically just makes the bread whiter. Right. And to condition the dough. So dough produced with ADA is typically a little drier, a little more cohesive. It sticks together better, which means you end up with a fluffier loaf with better texture. Okay. Okay. And this ability to take on air and improve fluffiness is actually the reason it's used in yoga mats as well. 
Oh, so it's why when you step on your yoga mat, you kind of sink in a little bit. Yeah, it's actually a foaming agent for plastics. So it kind of gives it that fluffy, nice texture. There is evidence linking ADA to respiratory reactions like asthma, but the evidence isn't strong enough to classify ADA as an actual respiratory allergen. So it's not the strongest evidence, but it is enough to cause the World Health Organization to conclude the risk is uncertain and exposure levels should be limited as much as possible. And that recommendation is with regards to inhaling the raw form of ADA. So there's definitely some evidence. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely some reason to question it. To question. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So yeah, there is a potential risk if you're exposed to the raw powdered form of ADA. But when we, the consumer, eat a Subway sandwich, we are not consuming raw ADA. Right. As the ADA bakes, it's decomposed into two other compounds, semi-carbazamide and urethane. And urethane is also sometimes called ethyl carbamate. This is where things get murkier. Both semi-carbazamide and urethane have been shown to be carcinogenic in animal studies. Mm. Carcinogenic means cancer-causing. These studies were conducted in mice, not humans, and using far greater amounts of semi-carbazamide and urethane than humans would ever consume from a bread product. Okay. Okay. And we know the dose makes the poison, right? So for everything, for everything, for literally everything. So, you know, a very small amount might not have any effect at all on human health, even if a very large amount would. Okay. So I went deep in Reddit. Oh, love Reddit. I know. (laughs) And I found, so this is on a Reddit thread about this exact scandal. And it's by a user called U slash P4GS. So to take this with a grain of salt, this is a Reddit thread, but the person who wrote this whole post cited all their sources and it was really well written. So I was like, this person knows what's up. Oh, okay. So they calculated in order for an average human weighing 136 pounds or 62 kilograms to experience any of the side effects from semi-carbazamide exposure in bread they would have to eat anywhere from 10,000 to 27,000 pounds of that bread, such as Subway bread, over a 28-day period, which would never happen. Wow, that's a lot. So a 136-pound person would have to eat minimum, was it Mm -hmm. 10,000 pounds? Yes. 10,000 pounds of bread. Over a period of less than a month. That's a lot of bread. To have any negative side effects based on, and this is, again, this is someone on a Reddit thread who was looking into the animal studies and calculating what it would take to be, to have these effects in humans. Oh, so did they source out to this animal study that you mentioned? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's really interesting. Yes. So poor, these poor animals, rodents, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was mice. But it just shows the dose really does make the poison. You know, that's an astronomical amount of Subway bread to have in a short amount of time to experience any of these side effects. And most of us aren't even eating Subway on a daily basis. Of course. And that also goes with everything. If you overeat anything, Mm -hmm. you might reach a level of toxicity. Yeah, even water. Even water. Even water. Okay, so the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in the United States, has classified azodicarbonamide as generally recognized as safe or grass. Because the the amount of ADA used in bread production is minuscule, so we're talking 45 parts per million in flour, tiny, tiny, tiny amounts, and very likely far too small to cause any impact on human health. Hmm. Okay, so now... We know there isn't a lot of evidence to say that ADA or semi-carbazamide are harmful to humans at the levels found in bread, but these claims aren't completely unfounded, right? So animal studies are usually the first step in establishing these mechanistic links. So is this something we really want in our food system? Mm -hmm. So Becca, at this point, I want to know what your gut feeling is about having azodicarbonamide in our food system, in the breads. 
So I feel like I would want to look into it a little bit more, but if it is something that we can take out or replace with something else that maybe doesn't have these types of results in animals or humans, that might be the way to go. Totally. Yep. And you're not alone in thinking that way. So scientist Lisa Lefferts specializes in food additives at the Center for Science in the Public Interest. She wrote that considering many breads don't contain azodicarbonamide and that its use slightly increases the exposure to a carcinogen, this is hardly a chemical that we need in our food supply. And she Mm -hmm. urges the FDA to bar the use of ADA. So, you know, if it's not a necessary ingredient, why not, you know, isn't it better to be safe than sorry? Yeah. Totally, right? With everything. Yeah. Okay. So after Food Babe started this petition, there was a huge public outcry to eliminate ADA from bread, and over a hundred thousand people signed the Food Babe's petition. And I think that visual of the eating yoga mats really helped (laughs) because it just kind of feels icky. It doesn't feel super fresh. And even though there was never any evidence that Subway exceeded the legal safe limits of ADA in its bread they did opt to phase ADA out of their breads shortly after the petition. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring this story home. Becca, last episode, you taught me that fake news is 70% more likely to be shared than real news. This is true. And people love a shocking or weird story. Even I can, I do remember reading about this six plus years ago um, about the yoga mat controversy. But I want to revisit the Food Babe blog here for a second, because even though she technically won in this case and got Subway to remove the chemical, the research doesn't necessarily support that and misinformation can be harmful. So another thing that the Food Babe does, probably unintentionally, is a technique called point counterpoint. So she raises a point or a question. Okay, sounds reasonable. And then she gets the scientist or an authority to refute it, right? And they do so successfully. End of story, right? Yeah. She, she raised a question. Should be. Someone refuted <laughs> it and that's it. But what this actually does is create a false disagreement in the public's mind. So it creates the illusion that there's a debate or uncertainty about these ingredients where there actually isn't. Right. So because she or whomever is bringing up this point, it makes you kind of start to question science or scientists, the research. Totally. Or like the governing bodies. Yeah. The people regulating the food. You're like, well, hmm, should I be asking these questions? Are these ingredients okay? When really there's no reason to not. Exactly. I feel like maybe you kind of need to flip it though. And also question the person bringing up the topic. Who are exactly. they? Are they credible? Just generally, who are they? What are, what are their beliefs? Who, everything. You really need to think about it as a whole. Could they have personal bias? Could they have vested financial interest? Mm, like their products. Promoting their own products. So the questions don't stop at the ingredients. We have to continue to ask who's raising these questions and why. That's so, that's, sorry, that's so interesting though. I didn't even know that there was a name for that. Point counterpoint. It happens all the time in the media. I know. Yeah, it really does. Okay, so I found this quote that I love from registered dietitian Monica Reinagle for Huffington Post. She writes, ingesting too much dihydrogen monoxide can put you in a coma. Inhaling the stuff can kill you. So why aren't we petitioning Subway to remove dihydrogen monoxide from their bread as well? Because this toxic chemical is also known as water. I love that. That's good, right? That's great. That's really good. Um, So I do get it. You know, getting curious about what you're eating is good, but the questions can't stop at the ingredients. You have to continue to ask questions about where and who you're getting your information from. Like we said, is it, a, is it a credible source? Do they have personal bias that they're letting influence their perspective? Do they have financial motivations? Uh, and I do have to say, after all my research, I am personally not worried about yoga mat chemicals in my bread. I'm not consuming fast food breads that often, um, and I will continue to enjoy delicious subs uh, whenever I want. <laughs> what about you, though? Like, How do you feel about all that? What's your 
gut feeling about potentially yoga mat chemicals? Well, I mean, I feel like now that you've kind of given me most of the picture, Mm -hmm. I don't feel that terrible about it because there's definitely other things in many of the other products that we consume that are likely not similar, but they might have similar effects or detrimental effects in large quantities. So I don't think that we should just be focusing on necessarily one ingredient. I mean, it's great that they took it out and I'll also continue to enjoy Subway. (laughs) But no, that's very, it's very interesting. And it's interesting how the public can change things like this. Totally. Yes. The power of the consumer is really interesting to see. And some people are critical that Subway took out the ingredient because there was, there's no reason they should have other than public pressure, right? As a PR move, they were like, yeah, sure. We'll just get rid of it. But that kind of exacerbates the point-counterpoint situation where it's like, well, this person raised a point. It was properly refuted, but the company listened. So maybe there's something more there. But also consumer satisfaction, right? Like if it's easy enough to remove and replace with something else, or they lose a bunch of customers. Mm -hmm. Totally. I guess they had to weigh out the options and the option or the decision was to remove it. Yeah. And the thing is, when I was doing research, like it seems pretty easy to remove. Mm -hmm. There are other options to put in there, or you can just have like a slightly less fluffy bread. You know, I'm curious to know, like, what did they replace it with? Do you know? I don't know if they actually replaced it. Everything I found just said they phased it out. Okay. So I wonder if you just like toss in a little bit more yeast or there were alternatives. I don't have the names written down, but I know there were alternative chemicals mm-hmm. <laughs> that could be used instead of azodicarbonamide. But yeah. Okay. So the whole reason I actually thought of this topic was because Subway Bread recently made the news again for another scandalous reason. Their bread apparently isn't even bread. <laughs> did you hear about this? <laughs> I did hear about this, but I did not. I did not read the article. So I'm excited for you to... Just a quick headline glance. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Classic. (laughs) So this story is actually really quick because unfortunately it's just not that scandalous in my opinion. Well, that's good. I feel like Subway needs a break. (laughs) But well, if you're reading the headlines, you'd think it was scandalous though. And that's the problem. Like you're just seeing a headline and you're like, oh, Subway again. I feel like we have learned so much in our program Mm -hmm. that you just, you can't base everything off of the headlines, even like the content in a lot of these posts, go to the original source, see what is actually being said. So I find sometimes I'll skim over headlines and just kind of roll my eyes versus totally. believe yeah. it. I know. Cause the, the reality of the situation is that we do not have time to actually investigate every head. We're inundated with headlines. Mm-mm. So that's why we're here today. <laughs> that's why we're Break here down today. those headlines. <laughs> True. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Rate, review and subscribe. Yeah. Also, we should say, we should have said this at the top. This is not sponsored by Subway or anyone. No. This yeah, is just, we might want to add that in. Yeah. This is just our thorough research into the subject on a subject that we found really interesting. Although I don't know if Subway would want us to air out their dirty laundry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll sponsor you to discuss every scandal. That would never happen. Okay. So on September 29th, 2020, the Supreme Court in Ireland ruled that Subway bread, all six flavors, so Italian white bread, Italian herbs and cheese, nine grain wheat, hearty Italian, nine grain multi-seed, and my fave, honey oat, have too much sugar to be legally considered bread. It looks like bread, it tastes like bread, but it is not bread enough to meet the legal definitions of bread outlined for the value-added tax. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I researched value-added tax and it's basically a goods and services tax that's based on the product. So flour and egg-based bakery products like bread can qualify for a zero rate or 0% tax rate if they meet the guidelines. So for most products in Ireland, they'll pay about 13.5%. Subway was originally paying a reduced 9.2% rate and they went to the court to try to get it down to 0%. Oh, so they brought, they brought this Yeah, they brought it to the court. Oh, okay. Kind of backfired, eh? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the law states that bread must be composed of exclusively flour, yeast or another leavening agent, 
and fat or sugar not exceeding 2% of the weight. So the sugar has to be less than 2% of the flour. Of the weight of flour. Okay. Okay. Yes. Subway bread had 10% sugar compared Mm -hmm. to the weight of flour. So significantly higher. Mm -hmm. It clearly exceeds the max sugar content in order to be considered bread. Um, That's really not debatable. So it makes me question why they even brought this to the courts. Somebody didn't do their research. Yeah. The thing is that a lot of loaves that we would think of as bread actually wouldn't qualify for the value-added tax. So garlic bread, onion bread, cheese bread, fennel bread, they usually don't qualify already, okay? Okay. Like, I wonder about the bread that we have in our own home. I know. I feel like... Let, okay, let's continue. I'll get there in a second. Okay. So 10% sugar sounds like a lot, but have you ever heard the riddle, what weighs more, a pound of lead or a pound of feathers? Yes, I have heard that. Okay. So they weigh the same, right? <laughs> they weigh but the same. Yeah. The quantities are vastly different because feathers are super light and lead is super heavy. So a pound of lead might fit into the palm of your hand. A pound of feathers might take up an entire football field. Okay. So 10% weight doesn't necessarily mean 10% volume because right. a smaller quantity of sugar will weigh just as much as a larger quantity of flour. Right. The difference isn't as extreme, of course, as feathers and lead, but uh, flour is a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just keep that in mind. It doesn't mean it's a 10% sugar loaf. So the Toronto Sun reported that a six-inch white roll of Subway bread contains five grams of sugar. Considering that the toppings in a Subway sandwich usually aren't very sweet, we're talking just vegetables, cheese, meats. This isn't a very high sugar lunch, and it's certainly nothing to be super freaked out about. So five grams of sugar in a six-inch sub. Right. That, does, I, that actually does not seem like that much. It's not shocking. No. It's just not that scandalous. In terms of household breads, I just think that the lawmakers don't want to make it super easy for people to qualify for this tax, right? So we're talking right. commercially produced breads, they probably set the 2% sugar by weight limit quite low so that it's more challenging for people to actually qualify and pay 0% because they want people to pay pay taxes, right? So if we're thinking about the breads in our own home, if you're making a pretty standard loaf, you're usually not adding that much sugar. No. So I would say probably is less than 2%. Okay. And I mean, in terms of the tax too, right? They want to incentivize people to use less Sugar. Things, things like sugar, which totally. makes sense. So if they raise that amount, then not only are they going to make less money, mm-hmm. but all the bread is going to be able to have more sugar in order for them to qualify for that, that ta- tax break. Yes. So I looked up Dempster's whole wheat, just like classic whole wheat bread, and it was mm-hmm. one gram of sugar per slice. Right. And I feel like a, like a Subway roll or bun or whatever you, you mm-hmm. call them. I feel like that would be more than two slices of bread, like in a six inch sub. I feel like that'd probably be like three, I, I agree. maybe four if you yeah. mix that together. Totally. You grind it up and put it in the shape of a Subway sandwich roll. Yeah. Three to four. I would say so. So yeah. then you're looking at three to four grams of sugar, not so far off from the five grams of sugar in a six inch roll. No. Okay, so basically, this whole thing is just to say it's actually not that scandalous. So I want to read you some of the headlines that I found about this Subway bread scandal. Amazing. Subway bread is deemed to be cake. (laughs) Straightforward. Just just straight up. (laughs) First of all, it's not deemed to be cake. That's just not true. That was was never found in like the definition of like what bread is. No. Because it has all the components, right? It just has a little bit more sugar. That's the the issue. And I say that with air quotes. Okay. So there are cake guidelines and this has come to the courts before. Okay. So there was in 1991, there was a legal case about Jaffa cakes. Okay. So it's called a Jaffa cake. So it is a cake and it's been legally ruled to be cake, but they look like a biscuit. They look like a cookie. They almost look like a shortbread cookie with just a thin chocolate layover top. And then they have orange jelly in the middle. Sounds kind of gross. Doesn't it sound gross? But apparently (laughs) they're a huge, they're a big deal. Apparently they're really delicious. People have like wedding cakes modeled after these Jaffa cakes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was doing some serious research. 
and this came to, this went to court in 1991 and the judge decided to rule that they were actually cakes because cakes are in the name and it was based on the moisture content and ingredients which were that of a traditional sponge cake so eggs flour and sugar so they wanted to be called cakes they wanted to be called cakes because cakes qualify for the 0% value added tax and biscuits did not oh so somebody else brought them to court then like a consumer or a, an organization yeah, I think the tax authorities brought them to court to be recategorized as biscuits because they were gotcha. sold in the biscuits aisle. They're in a little tube that looks like biscuits, but they've always said that they were cakes. It's cakes in the name and they have the moisture content and the ingredients of a sponge cake. Okay. And the judge ruled well, that's in their really favor. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So this has happened before, but based on that case, Subway is not deemed to be cake. It doesn't have traditional sponge cake ingredients. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it doesn't have eggs. I actually didn't fact check that, but it's not cake. So to put that in a headline is misleading, extremely misleading. No, for sure. And like to bring it back to other products and whatnot, we've mentioned this before, but things like ice cream, yeah. if it doesn't have, I think it's a certain milk content or milk fat content to it. It has mm-hmm. to be called frozen dessert. Right. Legally. Yep. And plant-based mm-hmm. beverages, so plant-based milk with a Y beverages. Yeah. Can't be, can't called, be called milk, milk with an I because it's not a dairy product. Yeah, it's really interesting. So it, it has to be truthful to not mislead the consumer. And a headline like Subway bread is deemed to be cake is just false. And it, it's unfortunate that like brands can't mislabel their products, but the media can and they can get mm-hmm. away with it. Yeah. That to me is... That's criminal. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Okay, here's another one. (laughs) Subway bread, if you can call it that. (laughs) It's just like an eye roll in a headline. (laughs) So snarky. (laughs) Yeah, so snarky. And then another one was, is Subway bread actually a pastry? Question mark. So if you are inundated with news, which hello, I think everyone is, and you're just skimming these headlines, you're going to get the wrong impression. Right. Okay, so I also visited Twitter and I searched hashtag Subway bread. Here's some good ones. At Pizagno, so P-I-Z-A-G-N-O tweeted, funny that it took hashtag Subway bread to show people that big corporations poison our food and hide it Mm -hmm. from the population. And it isn't just Subway. Poison. Poison is a real stretch for just having a slightly higher sugar content. Yeah. And I don't think they were hiding it from the population. It just never came up. Because the sugar content, if you're looking at a roll and you're seeing five grams of sugar content in this roll, that's Mm -hmm. not flag worthy. That's not a red flag. That's not an astronomical amount of sugar. Also in Canada, if you're a a chain restaurant, and I think if you have more than, I think it's 10 locations, fact check, it's 20 locations. You have to have the information available to consumers as to what's in each product. Yeah. I think it has the calories on like the menu board, but I think you have to have all of the nutrition information available for anybody that asks for it. That's so true. It, that information is out there. It's not hidden. And it has been out there for a while. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. And then someone else tweeted at DTASH, at D-T-A-S-H-E tweeted Italian urban cheesecake, hashtag Subway bread. <laughs> I just liked that one. That's cute. <laughs> Okay, so to me, after reading all this tax information, seeing what people are saying online, it's clear to me that it's been blown way out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not going to put Subway on my blacklist quite yet. Me neither. No, it's not necessary. Okay, and then to wrap it up, I have one more quick Subway bread story for you. Ooh. Go to the picture at the top of page 10. Okay. Shoots, that was intense. (laughs) So Becca's looking at a picture of a Subway sub. Looks like, yeah, one half of a foot long Subway sub and there's a knife next to it. Okay. A knife that looks like it's kind of covered in bread. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it's covered in. (laughs) Okay, so in July 2008, a man claims he was nearly cut when he found a knife baked into the bun of his cold cut 12 inch sandwich he bought at a subway restaurant in New York. Mm. 27 year old John Agnesini was shocked to find a seven inch serrated blade baked into his bread. 
That's the kind you use for bread, so that makes sense. It makes sense. It checks out, (laughs) right? He says that it was protruding into half of the sandwich, and he was about to start chomping on it, and that could have slashed the side of his mouth. Okay, so that's a quote from him. Okay. Looking at this picture, I've got some serious questions. Yeah. And I don't actually know. This this picture was from businessinsider.com along with an article about this, but I don't know if this is actually the picture, because this is the only place I found the picture online but it really does look like it. Yeah, it does, especially because the knife looks like it's like encrusted in bread. Totally. It looks like it was just pulled out of the bread. But my questions are like the knife is significantly bigger than the six inch sub. So if they cut it in half, how did they miss this? Yeah. So if they took a foot long and they cut it in half, yet he found a seven inch Mm -hmm. knife in one half of it. Mm -hmm. Clearly they're not cutting their sandwiches properly. Right. Or... Was it on an angle, maybe? I think I it know. probably was. But it definitely looks like this knife. And we'll put it on our Instagram so you yeah, guys can see should. too and, and, and assess <laughs> and see what you think. But it really does look like this knife was just pulled out of the loaf. So what I imagine happening, I know they use these knives to like measure out their Subway bread before they bake it just to make sure everything's spaced evenly, I think, and to make sure that the loaves are approximately the same size. And so what I think happened is that someone left it on the tray and the bread just got put over top of it. Maybe. And then it got baked in because this looks like it was just probably right at the edge of the bread. Honestly, I feel like if they use measuring tapes instead of knives, it would (laughs) solve a lot of problems for them. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like a really good idea. (laughs) But John ended up suing for a million dollars and he reached a $20,000 settlement. That's That's a good amount for not... Pretty big deal. I know. I think (laughs) I'll take a knife in my subway. (laughs) As long as I don't get injured. Okay. So Becca, after everything you've learned about subway today, what do you, what are you feeling? I feel weirdly a little bit empathetic Mm -hmm. for subway. A little bit. Because it does, it does feel like it was started as more of a family and friend run company. And it kind of just got too big to handle, I think. Totally. There's there's just so much scandal around it. And I don't necessarily know if it deserves all of it. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, they're not alone in these scandals or Mm -mm. like quote unquote scandals here. Some of them are really not scandalous, but they seem to be the target because they're a more wholesome brand. They're all about eating fresh. They're, they Mm -hmm. make their food right in front of you. And it feels like a really good, healthy choice. Right. And in a lot of cases, it is a healthy choice compared to alternatives. Of course. Yeah. So I think they get scrutinized unfairly about their ingredients and, you know, practices that are normal and safe in the food industry than other companies. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. And I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you on that. Okay. Poor Subway. That's how I feel right now. Even though they don't need my empathy, they're a huge corporation. <laughs> they're probably doing just fine. And there still are some mischievous things it sounds like that have gone on in that company oh yeah well yeah bringing it back to the jared story there also was a big debacle about the chicken being oh, not I chicken I, read, I actually read that when i was doing the research and i was like i'm not gonna read this because i, I always get oven roasted chicken <laughs> that and i was like my research is always already way too extensive i can't add another scandal into this so maybe another episode will cover the the chicken situation. Get get deep into the chicken there. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. So that was great, Sarah. Really informative stuff. I really loved learning about that. Again, like I read those headlines, I skim over them. Sometimes I'll read the article, but it's really great to kind of hear the truth behind those headlines and kind of what's really going on in these corporations. And I think it's, it's important for everybody to know. Totally. I completely agree. But Sarah, Yes. I have a sneak peek question for you for next episode. Okay. I'm nervous. The question is, do you buy organic food? Oh, do I buy organic food? Well, so no, but I feel like there's a bunch of caveats here. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't avoid buying organic food, but I don't actively seek it out at this point in my life. Does that make sense? It's, it's significantly sense. more expensive. I think you can have a totally well-rounded, healthy diet without buying everything organic. 
But that being said, if, if there's two products side by side and they're similarly priced and one's organic and one's not, I might pick up the organic. For sure. And I'm the same, same way. I don't, I don't seek it out. I don't buy organic produce, period. I don't even think I look, I rarely look at the organic section. Yeah. Because I know that it's generally. It looks sad if you do. Like, yeah. so if you see an organic bunch of kale next to a regular or like it's a conventionally produced key. bunch of kale, it's like, <laughs> and, and the organic one is more expensive than this massive, like robust <laughs> bunch of kale, conventionally produced kale. I mean, it's really hard to choose the organic after seeing that. Of course. And one, one area that I feel like I am a little bit, and I don't know if I'm manipulated by the labeling or, or not, <laughs> but when I am looking at more so like packaged products and I see an organic mm. label on something, mm-hmm. that does convince me a little bit more. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because the label's right there yeah. when I'm deciding on things. But mm. yeah, I don't want to get too, too into it. But that's your sneak peek for next episode. That is a loaded topic. Uh I'm excited to learn more. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. That was such a good chat about Subway. I learned a lot. Becca, did you learn a lot? I learned tons. It was great. (laughs) So great to learn about Subway, all the things in the media. Yeah, that's it for this week's episode. We'll talk to you again on November 23rd. November 23rd, episode three. Something to do with organics. I can't wait. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dietetics After Dark. You can find all the references and materials used to put this podcast together in our show notes at thenutritionjunkie.com slash dietetics This is an independently produced podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our show. For more information, follow us on Instagram at Dietetics After Dark. If you have an idea for an episode or segment, email us at dietheticsafterdark at gmail.com. This podcast was recorded and edited by Earworm Radio. We highly recommend their services for all of your podcasting needs. You can learn more about Earworm Radio at earwormradio.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.